Welcome to the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Vidala, and we're going to talk about music theory, lyric writing, creative productivity, inspiration, and more. I'm super excited to have you here, so let's dive into the episode. Hello, friend. Welcome to the 55th episode of Songwriter Theory. If you've been with us for a while, happy to have you here. Glad that you're sticking with me. Glad that apparently uh, the stuff I'm covering is helping you out. Because otherwise, why would you still be here? Um, And if you're new, welcome. Glad to have you. Um, So, on the podcast, we're going to talk about lyrics. If you've been with us for a while, you know that I have a specific love affair for lyrics. Uh, relative to your normal songwriter, I would say I hold lyrics in a much greater regard. Um, my policy is basically if the lyrics aren't good, then the song is garbage and pointless, and there's really no exception to that. A um, little harsh, but um, ba- basically to me, you know, there's really three parts to a song, right? There's melody, harmony, or, you know, chords. Chord, uh, chord progression, whatever. Uh, the backdrop, if you will. And lyrics. There are three parts. So if one of those parts is garbage, why are we even here? Don't even have a lyric then. Just write instrumental stuff, please. Um, so I care about lyrics, is the point here. Because of that, we're going to talk about lyrics again today. Because I want you to commit to writing Great lyrics. And if you're not a great lyricist right now, that's fine, right? Uh, Nobody is great at anything right away. And the only thing that we can all do is dedicate ourselves to make sure we get better at it uh, every day or every time we sit to write. And to me, the concept we're going to go over today is a great big bang for your buck way to level up your lyrics. So, whether or not you see yourself as a poet, as a songwriter, you are. A great songwriter has great music and great lyrics. Not just acceptable lyrics and great music. And if you disagree with that, um... I don't know what to tell you. Um, it's, it seems pretty ridiculous to me to take what is at least a third of a song, the only part that can be written down, by the way, the only thing that could be framed, the only thing that somebody could tattoo to their body uh, is the lyric, right? The only, the only thing you can frame and put up on your wall is the lyrics. And if you think that's not important, I, the, I, I don't know what to tell you, right? That's like saying the script of a movie is not important. Because you only care how it looks and what the soundtrack sounds like, right? That would be stupid. So, if you think lyrics aren't important, um, be open-minded to change your mind. Or, if you think lyrics are not important, uh, this podcast is probably not for you. So, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Lyrics are important. And if you don't, if you don't like lyrics... If you don't care about lyrics, if you don't want to get your lyrics to be better, 
if you just throw some words on there. Uh, you and I are not going to see eye to eye, which was not supposed to rhyme, but there it is. Um, so I, I run my lyrics through some tests, which I think I've done a podcast on. If not, I will. Um, and one of my tests is the frame worthy test. I think to myself, okay, are these lyrics something that's worthy of being put on in a frame and put on the wall? Uh, if not, they need more work is the short version. Um, and certainly not all of my lyrics have exactly passed this test. I do think there is some, some room for, um, it depends, right? Some songs are very heavy on, you know, a certain riff or certain things that can sometimes constrain the lyrics to sort of like, you're so limited melodically and, um, with how many words you can fit in that there's, there's only so much you can do. Um, and certain genres sort of lend themselves to, you know, not, not every, even though I love my deep, um, ballads, if you will, the, with high notes in the chorus and epic melodies, uh, even though that's my main, uh, forte, my main, um, go-to, if you will, uh, not, not everything I write is like that. And, you know, sometimes if you're writing a more for fun rock song, I still think the lyrics should be good. Um, but sometimes admittedly, um, there's a little more room for lyrics that maybe aren't deep or aren't that insightful. Um, but they should still strive to be good. That being said, are your lyrics frameable? Any of them? 10% of them? 20% of them? A hundred percent of them? Are they something that, uh, you could see somebody tattooing a lyric, a line, uh, on their body? Not that I'm necessarily pro that. I personally would not tattoo any lyrics to my body, but, um, you know, is it something that you could see somebody doing? And if not, this, what we're going to talk about, is a great way to help you get there. And what we're going to talk about is that great lyrics are precise lyrics. So what do I mean by precise lyrics? By definition, precise means marked by exactness and accuracy of expression or detail. Marked by exactness and accuracy of expression or detail. So there are a lot of words that mean what you, what you want them to mean, right? They're accurate. They're accurate words, right? Like if I say I love my wife, that's accurate, right? I mean, I would hope so, right? She's my wife. I should love her. But what else do I love? Well, I, I love my pets. I love Star Wars. Loving the Mandalorian so far. I won't say anything about it because I don't want to spoil anything if any of you are behind. Um, I love Jeff Goldblum. I think he's hilarious. And uh, the, the the world according to, to Jeff Goldblum show or whatever is just, just wondrous. The man is hilarious. I don't know why anybody hires Jeff Goldblum. And I know this is a side note, but I don't know why anybody hires Jeff Goldblum to do anything but be Jeff Goldblum. Like, I'm fairly certain that Jeff Goldblum is much more hilarious and awesome than any of the roles he could play. Like, if he's just him, that's the best role. So, 
if I were a director, I'd be like, Jeff, we don't want you to act. Just be you. And it would be great. But anyway, what else do I love? I love gyro, the Greek food. Love gyro. Arguably my favorite food. I love arguing for fun. Uh, me and a friend are actually making a whole YouTube series. Um, we've currently recorded 16 episodes so far. Um, that we'll be releasing starting in January of 2020. Um that are basically built around arguing for fun about nerd stuff, sort of. Um, I'm not going to say any more until it comes out, but I will bring it up again when it's out, unless you guys know. I love music, obviously. I love pan pizza. I'm a pan pizza guy. I like pan pizza. I like New York-style pizza. Chicago-style is super overrated. Don't at me. It's just... I never thought I'd say this, but too much cheese. And it's like a block of cheese. It's not like cheesy goodness. You know, it's just like a block of mozzarella cheese. And the crust is garbage. And the toppings are usually in the wrong place. But anyway. And of course, if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I love, 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 love my Denver Broncos, who just blew a 20-point lead today uh, against the Minnesota Vikings. So it went from an exciting day to a very sad day very quickly. So so glad I brought that up. The point is, right, that love is a pretty overloaded term. I love a lot of things. And one would hope, at least, the love I feel for my wife is significantly different than the love I have for Euro and the love I have for Star Wars and, uh, you know, the love I have for my parents, for that matter, right? Or the love I have for my friends. And the love I have for my Denver Broncos, right? I'm not going to marry them. Um, so, the word love is, overlo- is overloaded. Is, is too many... It means too much. It's too vague. So... What if I change the wording a little bit? What if I tell you I adore my wife? That probably gave you a whole different visual, a whole different idea of how I feel for my wife than I love my wife, right? I love my wife just seems like a fact. Like, well, I would hope so, right? (laughs) Like, if you don't love your wife, you got some problems. Um, And even though love should be a very powerful word... Um, to some, because it's so overloaded now, like I love Cheez-Its, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Um, it, it, it loses its depth of meaning. But when I say I adore my wife, there's a little part of you that might be like, oh, that's nice. Right? He adores his wife. That's cute. Or, you know, it, because it, it communicates some some level of, I don't know, semi-obsessed total love and devotion or something. I'm not sure I like the word obsessed, but you know what I mean. Versus love, which could just be my marital obligation. Which again, I'm not anti-love here. I'm just, I'm just saying the word love, right, is versus adore. Adore just means more. It's a more specific, like you know exactly how I feel about my wife. When when I tell you I love my wife, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like that's, Okay, and the, you know, the moon is 
generally light white yellow color and the sky is blue and the sun comes up every morning what else can you tell me that i already know or how about this what if i say i yearn for her Oof! all of a sudden it's getting a little spicy right oh man joseph don't tell us anymore this podcast won't be kid friendly anymore it's getting a little steamy with that word yearn right like and really those two words are very related to, or even would be, could be considered synonyms of love, but they're much better words because they 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 are more specific. They tell you exactly what I'm feeling. Like if I tell you I adore my wife in a song versus I yearn for my wife, the the meaning what I'm saying in those two songs are radically different. When I, if I tell you I love your my wife, you're bored and you're moving on to the next song, right? And, and, you know, depending on who you are, maybe adore is like uh, too cutesy for you or something and you, and you don't like it. But ignoring that, just taking the words for what they are, those pack a bigger punch. They're more evocative and less general. They're more precise, which is what I'm trying to convince you you should go for. Because if I just write a whole song about something I love, and I keep saying, oh, I love you, I could be talking about Star Wars, or The Office, right? Or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, something else I love. Or Pan Pizza. Euro. My Denver Broncos. But I'm not going to say I adore those things, probably. Certainly not going to say I yearn for it. That's uh, getting weird. <clears throat> so, let's take an example from one of my songs. We're just going to take one line that I had before, and then we're going to improve it to sort of show you what this this looks like in practicality. So also for more on this, uh, this podcast would connect beautifully with, I believe it's podcast 30, which I know I mention a lot, but it's a really important one. Um, so go back and listen to that after this. Even if you've listened to it before, I recommend go back and listening to that after this one, or even listen to that now and then come back to this one. I'm actually using the same example here, except just one line in this case. Um, but it's about iterative lyric writing, which this sort of is connected to. But anyway, so I had the following line. Living in a busy world. Pretty meh, right? I mean, like, it's true. Like, we all are living, right? Because we're not dead. That's why we're here. You're listening to this podcast, and I'm recording this podcast. I mean, technically, I could be dead because um, I could die after recording this podcast, but not going too dark, right? Like, we're alive here. And a busy world is like, yep, yep, the world's busy. Like, like that's like, living in a busy world is just a forgettable line. It's communicating what I wanted to communicate, but it's forgettable. It's nothing special. But how about we change the line a little bit? <clears throat> So we're starting with living in a busy world, right? What if we change it to clinging to a restless world? Means the same thing, really, at a, at a basic level, right? And in, in both cases, we're talking about living in a busy world. Clinging's just a little more specific. It, it addresses how the character sees the world and also sort of informs us on how the world feels towards a person. So 
if we go back and break it down, right? Living in a busy world, does that reveal, let's say, I, I'm writing from a character's perspective in this song, but we'll say it's me to make this simple. So if I say I'm living in a busy world, that's pretty meaningless, right? It says the world is busy um, and I live in that world. Like just boring, meaningless. I mean, it has meaning, but like just meh. How do I feel about the world? I think that it's busy, but how do I feel about the world? Living in a busy world. You don't know. You have no idea. How does the world feel about me? How does the world see me? Living in a busy world. I don't know. I mean, maybe you could argue they're because I'm saying they're busy, then that means they don't have time for me, I guess. But mm, it's not really saying anything about that. But our new version, which just changes two words, clinging to a restless world, well, I guess living in, clinging to, but uh, it's living in a busy world versus clinging to a restless world. Um, So three total words, but two that actually, you know, have meaning because to and in don't really count. Um, So clinging to a restless world tells you how I feel, how my character feels about the world, and it also tells you how the world feels about the character. So living in a busy world, you don't know if the character is alive and well, if they're dying, if they're... um, if they like the world, if they want to be in the world, if they don't want to be in the world, you have no idea. Clinging to a restless world. Now you know. If you're clinging to something, right, you want to stay with it. <clears throat> right? If you, you, you cling on to someone you love who's drifting away from you. Right? You cling to them. So you know how you feel about how this character feels about the world. They, they want to keep the world. They want to stay in the world. But you also know, if you have to cling to something, that probably means it's walking away, right? Because clinging implies, you know, this, 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 you're barely holding on. And if you're barely holding on, that's usually because this thing is moving away or it's not easy to maintain a hold of. So it also, just the word clinging versus living, it also tells you how the world sees the character. The world's moving on without the character. The world's still moving forward. So just clinging clinging alone gives so much more information, even though it really means the same thing. But I'm finding a more precise way to say what I'm trying to say with living in a busy world in context of the song. I'm trying to communicate as much as I can in vivid words. Because the word counts the same. Let's look at restless world. What's, what is busy world versus restless world? Busy is another boring word, right? It's just kind of like, yep, okay. It communicates more or less what I'm saying. The world is too busy, moving too fast to care about the character. But restless is a much more vivid word than busy. Restless implies a certain high level of energy, right? Like just buzzing, you know, just buzzing with energy. It's restless. It's somebody 
shaking their leg up and down as they sit down, just like waiting for the bell to ring to get out of class. Right? That's restless. That's sitting at an awkward Thanksgiving dinner, just wanting to get to the football game. That's what restless is, right? So it implies why the world is so busy, too. They're too anxious to get back to what they need to do, right? If I'm restless, if I'm, if I'm looking at my watch as I'm sitting at Thanksgiving dinner with my leg going up and down, I'm restless. It's because I want to get back to football. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Family, talking, awkward, whatever. But I want to get back to football, right? Like, like that's, that's what that means, if that's what I'm doing. It's anxious to get back to what you need to do, or want to do, in that case. The world is constantly buzzing. Either doing their next-to-do item, or thinking about doing their next-to-do item, right? And... As they're restless, they're just thinking about, oh, you know, I need, I need to do the laundry. I need to, I need to, you know, set up that new bank account. Uh, I need to make sure to deposit the right amount of money into this other account because I'm about to pay for this thing out of that account, and you know, all that sort of stuff. So restless evokes all of those kind of ideas. Whereas busy, even though it means something. Very similar in this case. Obviously, busy and restless are not exactly the same. Um, they do not mean exactly the same thing, just as living and clinging do not. But putting it all together, living in a busy world and clinging to a restless world mean the same thing. The difference is that clinging to a restless world, I'm using more vivid, more colorful words. It's... It's a more vivid, emotive, tragic line clinging to a restless world. Even though living in a busy world really means the same thing. It would suffice. It works. It's boring. Nobody cares. But when I say clinging to a restless world, there's a tragedy to that. Right? There's a tragedy that the world is too restless, too busy, too ready to, to move on to the next thing. For this person who's trying to cling to it, they want to stay living. They want to stay a part of the world. So just with a couple word changes, a couple little changes to make a more precise lyric, we changed everything about that line. We made it go from a meh, kind of just boring, forgettable line to a vivid, emotive, tragic line that is clinging to a restless world. And regardless of how much you like that line, clinging to a restless world, you, you have to recognize, right? Like, that's much better than living in a busy world. And I know we don't have the context of the song here. I don't really want to get into that because it'll take a while. Um, but the point is, you can, you can use the same concept where you take each individual word and figure out, you know, go to, th um, go to a synonym finder. Um, there's thesaurus.com is wonderful, uh, to sort of find some synonyms. And then it also has like similar words that aren't quite exact synonyms, but are close. And then, you know, if you click some of those, it will take you to that page where you can get more synonyms and then you can find something else that's just slightly different. Um, and using that sort of tool in order to do this is super powerful and is a part of my, uh, iterative lyric writing concept. 
Um, and if you want to learn more about this, I am currently making a new free guide uh, that is that is going to break down uh, really my entire lyric writing process into a few simple uh, steps. Um, so be looking out for that. Uh, don't worry, I will let you guys know when it is out. But a great lyric is a precise lyric. It doesn't just communicate the truth, but it communicates as much color and vivid emotion as each word can be packed with. So choose more precise words that have a larger depth of meaning and a more specific, precise meaning. And your lyrics will go from acceptable to great. Uh, this, this one thing will really make a huge difference alone, uh, much less combining it with other things that, that we talk about here and we learn about here. Speaking of things we talk about and learn about here, I have a free guide that's out right now that is great to help you figure out how to start your next song. Now, I made this guide because I understand that it's easy as songwriters, right? Especially as a beginning songwriter or somebody just restarting with songwriting, as somebody I was just emailing with, I was talking about. Uh, I think he said he had taken 20 years off um, because, uh, you know, family. And family is important, obviously. And now he's finally like, okay. I have time now to get back into something I love, which is songwriting, which is awesome. And, you know, it's easy when you're in these stages. And even, even when you're a little bit more of a veteran to get stuck in certain ways of writing songs. Like, I used to be a lyrics-first guy. Um, and I still am, but my meaning has changed. It used to be that I meant that I always write the lyrics first because whatever you start with, the first thing you write is the only thing that has no rules, right? Does that make sense? Because once you, for example, write a piano riff, now you have what key the song is in. And yes, you can change the key, but you have the basic tempo. You have certain constraints of of what chords can go underneath there are only so many melodies and lyrics that will go with that right so no matter where you start um, the first thing you start with is the only thing that has no constraint you can do whatever you want with and so if you like i used to religiously adhere to, you know, do the lyrics first or do, you know, whatever it is you like to do first, you're missing out on so many opportunities to write from a different place. And I think that's important in a couple ways. One is, it's, it's, I've done a podcast about this, but it's that concept. If you play a couple instruments, have you ever had that situation where like you sit at the piano and just nothing comes to you? You're trying to write, but just not, nothing creative comes out. But then you sit with the guitar and all of a sudden creativity pours out. Or, you know, you're upstairs in your office and nothing, but you just change locations and all of a sudden, you know, inspiration strikes. Or maybe you just sort of sing in the shower, random things, and that's where inspiration strikes, right? Like certain days, certain times, there are just different, uh, f different 
ways of writing that will be successful for you. And they're not always going to be the same. And, you know, forcing yourself to write the lyric first or forcing yourself to make the chord progression first or force yourself to make a guitar riff first are all going to constrain you. So in this guide, I give you 10 different ways to start writing a song, 10 different things to start with. And I break down exactly uh, how to do those things. And it's so important. And I, I, I use this all the time and I'm constantly trying to add more to my toolbox because, you know, it's, it's, it's like when I first decided, you know what, I'm going to write a song with a sweet bass line. So I started with writing the bass line, right? Which is the easiest way to have a great bass line is to just write a great bass line and then figure out the next step. Um, if you, if you write a song with lyrics first and all this other stuff, and then you're like, okay, let me put in a great bass line. Like maybe the chord progression doesn't lend itself to a great, uh, bass line. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe the, the specific lyric that you want to try to write isn't going to work with the music that you already constrained yourself with. And this guide will give you 10 ways and break down a ton about those ways. Um, so that you always have a list to go to, to break out of your shell of whatever, um, whatever your writing way is, your way of writing. Um, and it's always good to break out of that box because it gets, gives you some different results. Not hugely different necessarily, but different. Allows you to break out of that box that it's easy for us to fall into. And it also helps us to not have that dreaded writer's block, uh, which is really what inspired this most for me, um, is those two things combined. So if that sounds like something that you're interested in, it's totally free. Just go check it out. It'll be in the link in the description below. Uh, if you don't want to look for that link, even though it will be right at the top, um, and you just want to get it right now, go to songwritertheory.com, all one word, songwriter theory, like music theory, S-O-N-G-W-R-I-T-E-R-T-H-E-O-R-Y.com, slash free guide, all one word, F-R-E-E-G-U-I-D-E. So songwritertheory.com slash free guide. Um, I absolutely promise it will be helpful to you and uh if it is or is not let me know email me joseph at songwritertheory.com also if you have things that you want me to talk about on this podcast this podcast is for you so let me know joseph at songwritertheory.com if you love this podcast please go leave a review on itunes that'd be super helpful to me um, if you do not love the podcast, feel you can't give it five stars, again, email me, joseph at songwritertheory.com. Tell me what I can do to earn those five stars. Tell me what I can do better. I would love to get better and better at this. So just let me know. Have a great week.